0: Good morning, and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And we are really uh, honored to have on the air, um, how do you pronounce your first name? Is it Tarwat?
1: Abbas, A-B-B-A-S, Tarwat, T-A-T-A-R-W-A-T, Tarwat.
0: Oh, okay, so it's a boss first and then Tharwat. Okay. And you are the yeah. uh, field director for the Save Nubia project. Um uh, you know, professor um uh, Menuh Ampens, uh he's been on the air a lot of times and he uh when I was asking him uh to introduce me to someone that might be able to talk about what's happening in the Sudan presently because there's been a coup. Um he he highly recommended you and you're joining us um Abbas from Germany. Uh, to talk about your native uh. land and and uh and just give us some background on, you know, this important uh region um in the world. Um, you know, it's historic, um and it's got a lot of resources and a lot of people might know about, you know, some parts of Sudan is a big, big country. You can tell us how big it is. Mm. How many of our yeah, states will yeah. fit yeah. into or how many will the United States fit into Sudan? Is it that big. Um, but I was wondering if you first maybe could tell us a little bit about um, you know, your work as field director for the Save Nubia project. Um, you mentioned yesterday when we had a really nice conversation that you speak a lot of languages and you've lived in a lot of places <laughs> doing doing this important work around, you know, sort of uncovering exactly. the, the true history yeah. of our people. So, um uh-huh. yeah, um tell us a bit about yourself and, and your work and, um, and what's going on in your country right now.
1: Um, good morning, to everybody, and good morning to you, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Really, I'm very happy that I'm talking to you. Um, actually, my name is uh, Talwet Abbas. I was born in Sudan in 70, 1970, and I'm um, 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 the sixth brother of 24 system brothers, actually, um, I, got, I graduated in high secondary school in Khartoum as I graduated in Ancient University in Cairo, the place where I met my brother, the Professor Maino Eping, who shows me the way to understand the, the history of Sudan, which had been um, um, hidden from us, that it, uh, we, know, we don't know anything about it. So um, I left Sudan in 1989 um, to Egypt. I moved there, and I um, studied there, and I worked there where I met my brother, the Professor Mino And then after 10 years from my trip to Egypt, then I moved to Germany in the 2000s, actually. And now I'm still living in Germany here, but I'm still in contact with Sudan. I came before a few months ago. Um, yeah. Sudan, one of the biggest and the important countries in Africa, and contains of more than 300 African tribes and Nubian and it's the original of the Kushite civilization and Nubian civilization which is um, this civilization being hidden from the people because of many um, reasons that's maybe um, I'm going to mention them later so um, Sudan um, is contains of 300 different tribes in Sudan, and Sudan is very rich country with all the natu- uh, natural resources, gold and cattle, and uh, everything you can find in Sudan. And as I guess, the Sudanese people really, they are very um, special people if you... Um, if you join them or if you have a relationship with them, then you will find a really, very special people because they're a combination of a different, all the civilization and all over the world. And I hope one time you visit Sudan or whoever visits Sudan, and you see this in, in reality, not by talking. And yeah, um, uh, I met my brother, Professor Maino Pim in 1994 in, in Cairo by accident, in a way he was in a tour, was uh, some people we met, we talked, and uh, from this time, I knew that he's an archaeologist, and I uh, was interested in this as I studied some um, Egyptology about the pharaohs, Benchik, which is the pyramids, and Teber all of the Egyptians. So, till this moment, we, I didn't have an idea about the Kusha civilization. They never taught us in the school something like this in Sudan. Nobody mentioned it. We didn't know anything about it. yeah? So he started to teach me this and he gave me many, um, tips <coughs> and he gave me many, um, information about this umbrella. I was interested. And we've been together in Sudan in archaeological mission many times in the north of Sudan. We visited, um, and uh, Merwe, we visited, um, Musawarat, Naga, and, 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 all the important, um, antiquities areas in, in north of Sudan. And even we're planning, like, uh, to go to the south um, where is uh, in Ethiopia, for example, and South Sudan. Yeah, and my family actually is this combination of three types of uh, nations, the Arabs and Nubian and um, Southerners from the South Sudan, from the Shuluk. My grandma, she's, um, she's from the Shuluk tribe, actually. But we don't have um, any kind of um, um, habits or thousand traditional in in, the north of Sudan. In my family, I mean, I don't don't know anything about the dialect or or the language or all the habits and all this stuff. So because I was born in Khartoum, actually, not in the south. So um, the combination between uh, the northerners and the southerners is very deep before maybe t- 7,000 years ago or something like this. Um, the Nubian in the north of Sudan, there are the same Nubian in the west of Sudan, and the same people in the south of Sudan. You can look, in if you go to um, a epidemic tumble in, 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 in Naga, you will see all these sculptures. In the wall of the temple, you will see all these tribes: the habits, the shapes, the nose, the, the figures, the customs. Everything you will, you will see them in all these three different tribes. The same dialect um, being spoken in the north of Sudan, you find it in the west of Sudan, you find some of it in the south of Sudan. But unfortunately, after the Sudanese independence from the British colonization in 1956. Everything mixed it up, and the British colonisation was telling the, the the black people, which which um, the, the thousanders, they telling them it was a fake news. That is the Arab people, all the Nubian people who get a little bit um, light skin. Yeah, they they hate you because you are slaves, and these people they took this in their in their minds, and they hate the Northerners. Till we came in 2009, the South split off the North. And now they became two countries, unfortunately. And this is why it really very hard and very sad for us. We didn't like it. I think the people, uh, the normal people, they deny the idea of uh, separation between the Northerners and the Southerners. But the politicians, you know, the politics, yeah, they were b- behind this. And many countries involved in, all, in this, like America, like the Arab countries, Emirates or Saudi Arabia or, or Egypt even, they involved in this till they separate the Southerners and the Northerners in the name of they are Muslims, they hate the Christians. And so they are, the, the, the Arab hate the black Africans. And all of them, the Nubian, all of them are, are, are Africans. All of, all of them, they came from the Koshite, Kush. No different, but... The politicians were very strong till they get the thing what they want so um <clears throat> i started to study um this um Kushite civilization and i visited visited most of all the uh, antiquities areas and archaeological areas in the north of sudan yeah i planned one time before three years ago with my brother professor mayno and him to, to to fly together to um, two areas in, in Ethiopia, Gondar and Bahrain, where is a Kushite, in is in these places. This is the shows how this uh, uh, period or this civilization were. from the south in Africa till the Mediterranean Sea, till the Red Sea, till the Sahara Desert, they spread over all this. It was very grateful, very great, very great. And you will see all this when you visit. Uh, when you visit um, these areas or north of Sudan, um, the politics in Sudan or the situation in Sudan at the moment, I think, um, is very bad and very shame. Um, first of all, um, in Sudan we have the military component and we have the civilian component. And we have the armed movement, and then we have the force, um, the quick support, which the gingerweed, these mercenaries. This is all components. Now they are in Sudan and they're fighting against each other. The uh, the military component, which being led by the Supreme um, Commander of the Sudanese uh, Armed Force, is Abdul Fattah al-Burhan. He's the Commander, and the civilian component led by Abdullah Hamadok, which this this man really is very uh, educated, he studied in America and Britain, in political science and and uh, agriculture and, and and anyway, he's very educated man, and we believe in him. The other people, the I mean the forces army, most of them, um, um, uh they came from the west of sudan this is i i mean the armed movements and there are i think there are 14 um every each one had um own leader i don't know the names even yeah. some of the people they say um these people the some of them they are not sudanese they came from chad they came from central republic of africa and and anyway when they have this peace talk in Juba and agreement in, in, in Juba, all these um, armed movements, they move from the west of Sudan Darfur and, and, and Nuba Mountain, they move to Khartoum with their weapons. What they, what, what they want there, they said they want to conquer Khartoum to be there, but in the first their issue and their goal where they want to help the um, marginalized people in the north of Sudan, of Darfur. But unfortunately, they left these people behind in the camps. They're suffering from poverty, from sickness, from um, this, the Janjowit. Also, they, they attacked these people in the camps. They raped them. They killed them. They shoot them. They, they steal their, their properties. You know, they left them, and they came in Khartoum. What they want in Khartoum, till now they don't have any issue. They don't know what to do. We come back to the military component which is being led by uh, Abdul, uh, Abdul Fattah Burhan, burkhan And this guy, he was in that time, uh, before 2009, he was in uh, in Darfur with um, the quick support leader. Um, um, the name is uh, Abdul Rahim Daglo, as I guess. He met him. This is the name. It with him, he shared him all this invasion of the um, um, the tribes in the west of Sudan. They were killing these people in order from um, al-Bashir in that time. He was a president. Yeah. He gave them weapons. He gave them all what they need, and he pushed them to the west of Sudan, and they killed over 300,000 people, women being raped, uh, village being set on fire, and, 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 and he came in Khartoum, I mean, um, after uh, uh, Al-Burhan, now he's the, the supreme commander of the um, Sudanese uh, armed force. He came to Khartoum, and they planned together um, that he's going to be in the presidency. And now he became, after he kicked out the, um, the civilian component. the, um, what's the name, uh, Hamadok. The, the guy he must be. The people um fight it against the military company. They don't want any kind of military. They want only the civilian rules in Sudan. This is why till today the people that are fighting till today there are people that are staying on the street, yeah, and they are fighting and they've been shot, they've been killed, all these young guys being killed underage. They killed by this uh, the the wheat. With settled down in Khartoum now, you know, and they're still fighting. Um, but now the good thing that now there is a negotiation. Um, with a different, um, I mean, American uh, ambassador and the British ambassador and our, our African Union um, and some of the people they came to negotiate with. Uh, with, uh, uh, what the name? I forget the name anyway, um, with the, um, what's his name? Um, Ham- uh, Hamadok. Can you him? He has to come back again and to rule Sudan, but he refused and he, um, he imposed conditions on them if they wanted him to come back. Condition number one, he refused the military component to share them or to join them to rule Sudan. Just, they, they have to keep away. And to disarmament, uh, the Janjaweed uh, to take all his weapons away from them because they are killers, these people. They are mercenaries. They don't want them even in cartoon. Okay? Then there is other points of uh, of these conditions. It will come soon. I, I didn't look at it all of it. So just the importance of it. This was the important two, two points, number one and number two. No military um, rules in Sudan and no Genjiwi. This is where the important point, the rest we don't care. So now they are fighting, and I have heard in the news um, today that uh, maybe Hamadok next week on Sunday, he will come back again to the, uh, to the ballast and he will um, continue his normal life as a prime minister of Sudan. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I hope it is useful. Hmm. And I hope the yeah. people to know something about uh, Sudan nowadays, Sudan today. That's what is going on exactly. That is even um, for us as a Sudanese. We don't understand really what is going on in Sudan. Everything is mixed up. Imagine Sudan, I think the third, the third country in the world that produces um, cattle, cows, camels. The third country in the world. And the first country um, produced cotton and glue and gold. We have Everything, but we can't use this now, you know, because um, some of the countries in the area, I mean, in the Middle East, some of the Arab countries, I don't want to mention the names, but everybody knows this. Actually, they're interfering Sudan. They're stealing our resources. They're taking our our properties by the help of our people, the president, the good, I mean, the government by help of these people. Without these people, they will never get anything from Sudan. And now Sudan is living in poverty. No electricity, no medicine, no good food, nutrition, no schools, no books. And believe me, even if you are sick, no hospital to go. No hospitals. How come? And Sudan is very important, very important in Africa and in the Middle East. was the first... Um, Uh, um, Khartoum University was the uh, very strongest university in Middle East and in Africa. And now where is it? It's it's gone. It's finished. Most of the Africans, they came to Sudan to to, to learn, to study there. It it doesn't matter if they're going to study uh, all the fields, in all the fields, in everything. But now Sudan is in the bottom. Sudan in, in in the back, nobody even. Just they took our properties, they steal us. You know, our problem it is on us. It is not on nobody else. It's on us. We don't know how to protect our country. Most of these people, or this name I mentioned it before, Al-Burhan, or the Himeti, the leader of the Janjaweed, or I don't know whoever. The majority of all these people. They are uneducated. They only look at themselves. They won't um, have a big houses, beautiful houses, beautiful women, and beautiful cars and dollars in the bank. That is all. they don't care about the people. Look how many people are dead dying by shooting or by, um, um, the, the, uh, by diseases Sudan, by um, um, malaria, typhoid and a different kind of disease, and nobody helped. Nobody, just the people dying for nothing, for no reason, because nobody cared about them. Everybody need the chair. Want to sit on the chair? And with him, the next time, he built a very big house, and he driving a very beautiful car, and he married uh, a beautiful woman, and he made a very big wedding party. Cost millions of Sudanese pounds, and they don't care about these people who sleep on the ground. People being uh, being um, re- being raped, being people being killed. They don't care. They don't care. This is the problem on us. This is why this revolution in Sudan. These young people now in Sudan, they have really understood where the problem is, and they are fighting. They are sleeping now on the street, and they um um um. Now I think that uh, the 12 days or the 13 days. Um, they declare this obedient, uh, obedience in Khartoum. They're sleeping on the street. Nobody go to school. Nobody go to work. Nobody to go everywhere. No airplanes. The, the airport is locked down um, or shut down. Um, uh, all the 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 the, the 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 government offices being locked down. The life paralyzed, completely stopped. But where what the goal what the point what what all this for what are we going to do now the people they're confused they don't know but they're still fighting they're still fighting now cartoons look like it's the um uh, a nest of um mercenaries it's a place for um crime criminals it's a place for um army people you don't know where they're coming from they're not sudanese they're walking in cartoon streets. Um, with weapons with them. We don't know who are they, where they're coming from, to whom they are belong to. Nobody knows anything about, what, about anything. So, and this is why I think Sudan is, uh need help. They need help from whoever. Yeah? We know some people, they, they only need our, uh, the things that we have, like the gold, like cotton, like uh, glue, like, like everything they need it. And sure they're not going to take it just only with no reason thing we need help We're looking for somebody to help America sure if it help you to give you something with the right hand will take with the left hand. That's sure so Russian they do the same the Arab countries like Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia now Fighting against Yemen and they don't have men. They have weapons. They pay billions of dollars americans they're buying these weapons but they don't have fighters this is why they need this they can they they take these um, soldiers they are not soldiers they're mercenaries. they send them to the Saudi Arabia to fight there then Saudi Arabia they need us Emirates Emirates they need Sudan because Port Sudan in the East in the Red Sea it is very strategical um, 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 position in the Red Sea yeah when this um, port being worked here in this area in an, uh, I mean Port Sudan, that means they're going to get a problem on other ports in Emirates there because only they get here in the Mandap door between Yemen and uh, uh, in the Red Sea between Yemen and uh, Djibouti as I guess in this place in this area. only whoever will come from China or from Asia he has to cross this this port here and Emirates, they don't want this. They want all these um, merchant ships to come to her in the other side, in the Indian Ocean, and they involved with, uh, Emirates involve Saudi Arabia in many many problems. And soon you will see the result. Saudi Arabia is going to fight back these Emirates, and everybody knows that Emirates is um, is the devil of the nation in the Middle East. They know this. We go back. So. Um, As we know, Sudan is very rich. We have the um, Kushite civilization. We have the Nubian civilization in Sudan. It's very rich. But unfortunately, the Egyptian and the British and Italian people, they work very hard to hide this civilization. We don't know why, and we don't care, but we have to fight now to bring it back. And from this point, I thank my brother, the professor and Mpiem, he is really working very hard in this field. He is fighting really. He's a fighter, and I see him. I, I see him um, really um, what he has done and what he's doing at the moment. Really, is very great thing. And um, when well, I see him in Sudan every year, he come by his own, and you know, and he produce books and he writes things about this and uh, doing a lot of things. Really, It's really very great. So um, we have this civilization. We have all these antiquities in the north of Sudan till now, before seven thousand years or eight thousand years, which belong to the to Kush civilization. Nobody knows about it. Just only the people who don't want this to go to come out on the surface. You know what? In 192, um, the Sudanese government agreed with the Egyptian government that to build a dam with the high dam in the north of Sudan and in the south of Egypt. And when they build this dam, there is area around 200 kilometers square meter is going to be flooded in the water. And around thousands of antiquities being flooded in the water and sink in the water. And nobody knows about it and it will vanish forever. Nobody knows something about this before and decide they're stealing the, all these statues, golden statues. And because there is no, no, nobody from the Sudanese government care about this, even they don't know something about it because they're uneducated. They're uneducated. They don't know something about this. Many golden things being stolen and is sold for the Egyptian or for the British or in America or in, in the different places. By now, the people that are fighting they are doing their best Really, I saw them in the north of Sudan. They try to keep the rest or the remains of this civilization. They're doing their best. And we stand beside them. And uh, from this, on my place from here, I ask you, all of you sister brothers in America, this is also your properties. This is your civilization. You have to wake up and to stand beside us and try to help us also, as my brother is doing
0: right yeah so when you were mentioning earlier about um assistance international assistance um do you have any particular organizations that you might recommend that are on the ground um could people help um your people by going through um the save nubia project could that could could uh, could you know through that program could um, professor maynu get the resources to people, you know, that you all trust? Is that possible? Or um,
1: I- well, um, it's a very good question. Um, about this case, I think the only um, person or the only direction or the only organization that I believe in, that is only through my brother, Professor Maino M. The rest or most of all these... Um, organization in Sudan who involved in this uh, civilization I don't believe in them there is really this corruption happening there there is a lot of bad things is happening I don't believe in them and I don't want to join them I'm not, I never joined them and I'm not going to join them and I don't say all of them they are bad but I think the majority of them they are really um, I don't believe in them because we saw some things happen yeah for us and about all this stuff, uh, money being stolen, antiquities being stolen, and then the name of this organization or that organization or this, uh, I don't know who. On, who. So um, the answer is just only through my brother, Professor Maino This This only the direction. Otherwise, even I don't believe in, in the uh, Sudanese uh, tourism minister, uh, ministerium of tourism. I don't believe in it. And i I'm really, I don't, uh, it's just, it's just really, it's very bad, very bad. It's a corruption. We don't believe in it.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. So um, we're definitely, um, we'd love to have you on again, you know, to update us maybe in, a, I don't know, um, maybe a couple of weeks or something. But in the meantime, um, are you feeling, like, are you feeling optimistic that things are going to work out, you know, that the people will get what they want with regards to the civilian um, government. Um, are you hopeful? Um, do you think it's going to happen? Um, yeah.
1: Um, always in my life, I'm optimistic. Mm. <laughs> I <hope. laughs> Good. But in the Sudanese uh-huh. case, it is hopeless, as I guess. I'm not pessimistic in this, but all the, the facts, and all the things which is happening now in Sudan is not shows there is um, uh, there is a hope mm-hmm. in ways in ways I don't see it hundred percent but I see I, I see that as in ways means because I see now these young guys in, in Sudan they dying they fighting they even they don't scare from the bullets they face the bullets they dying yeah this is this my only hope and my only weapon that I have all these young the youth in Sudan at the moment because really they woke up they understood where the problem is but but from the other all these politicians I don't believe in them and I don't see any help there because are, I mean they are divided they disagree they, they don't know they don't have issue they don't know why they are there they don't know what they want like for example um, all these, I mean, um, um, the armed movements, they came from the west of Sudan. They were fighting against Bashir um, 20 years till they have this um, peace. Okay? Now, they came to Khartoum. All these leaders, all Menawi and Agar and Hilu and all these names, they've been in the talks show. Yeah? Like individual, not all of them in one time. So for example, this now now he's talking too much, he's talking a lot, and we don't know even what he's talking about, and nobody understands him what he's saying and what he wants exactly. They ask him in a talk show in the TV, I mean, what now you are in Khartoum with all your army in Khartoum? What is you easier for you people? What do you have? He could not answer. He don't know what to, what to say. He said, no, just we come to Khartoum and we are here and we're looking for a, a chair in the presidency. We're looking for a good place for us to rule Sudan. Who's going to rule Sudan? No, you. You are uneducated. You don't know what you want. You said you're going to help your, um, the, 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 your people in the west of Sudan. Okay, now you are the mayor of Darfur. Yeah? He's the mayor of Darfur now. He uh, designing me as uh, mayor of Darfur. He's never been in Darfur since he arrived in Khartoum. He's never been there. He didn't look. He didn't visit his people. He, he don't know what, what his people need. The people die living uh, on the street, in the camps. they dying from, um, from disease, from poverty, from lack of nutrition. they dying from this, the ginger. They still attack them. What you doing in Khartoum? And the other, even this al is he's, he's um, the leader of the, um, the northerner movement in the mountain, Anuba mountain in the west of Sudan. He came, he made, um things that this will never happen in Khartoum, never. Ninety-nine percent of the Sudanese are Muslims. 1% are Christian. Before there were 10, before the thousanders they split off or they separated. There were 10%. And 90% were Muslims. He wanted to bring the Christian rules to Khartoum. And nobody will accept this. Why? And nobody going to ru- ru- uh, rule Sudan with Sharia or with the Islamic rules, even for the Muslims. We keep the religion far away from all this. Let's, let us gather together, put hand on hand. You're a Christian, I'm a Muslim. This is the mosque and this is the, uh, the, this is the church. Go your church, I go my, uh, my, my mosque. But in the end, the country, the land, is belong to all of us. And the religion belongs to God. But they don't understand this. They won't come to Khartoum. They said, they said Al Bashir kill us and he did that also. Now Bashir, he's in a prison. He's in a prison now. He's not here anymore. All the Sudanese, the 40 million, that were against Al-Bashir, the raised against him. In one day, all of them. And you know that. And they keep Al-Bashir out. Uh, so Al-Bashir is not there. You come to Khartoum and sit. Tell us what you need in your place. What, what you, you people need. And then, and then we help when you go back to your place and rule your place. Because in Khartoum there is nothing. Nothing. Good. So all of them, they came, all these armed movements, they don't have issues, they don't have um, um, goals, they don't know what they do. This is why it led me that to be pessimistic. There is no hope. And the, 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 the military component, the one ruled Sudan, but they won't just rule Sudan, they're being pushed by um, um, al-Bashir people. And Bashir people are still outside the prison. They are not in the prison. They, they, they get help from Emirates. They get help from Saudi Arabia because they want Islamic rules in Khartoum. And nobody needs it anymore, even the Muslims themselves. So, and <clears throat> the Janjaweed, he wants to control Khartoum because now Himeti, the leader of the Janjaweed, he got no place to go. His people in the West, they're looking for him. They want him dead or alive. They will kill him because he killed a lot of people there. In Khartoum, they deny him. They don't want him. And even I think he's going to be in the list of the ICC and the International Crime uh, um, Court, as I guess. He's going to be because he's involved in killing people in the west of Sudan with Burhan, um the leader of the, um, of the military continent. So nobody want all these people in Khartoum. We need only civilian rules in Sudan for all the nations, the Arabs, the Africans, the Nubians, the Gifts, the Indians. It doesn't matter what your religion is. We don't care if you're Muslim or you're Christian or non-believer or Judah or whatever. We don't care. This is for you, between you and your God, not for us. But, They don't give us a chance. Everybody wants to be on top, and they're going to fight. And I I guess, I guess, like 70% is going to be like a civil war in Sudan, in Khartoum, soon, if they are not going to solve this problem as fast as they could. A civil war exactly like Rwanda, what's happening in Rwanda. This is what I expected, like 70%. I don't want it. I don't like it. Nobody wants war. We are against war. But all these people, all these um, the, in the government, I mean, or in the presidency, or the military company, the Janjaweed and the um, army movements, and even the freedom and the change who changed Bashir's government, the change by, uh, is being changed by the, uh, the nation, the Sudanese nation and the freedom and the change movement being changed. Even these people now they divided, they separated. Nobody agrees with nobody. Everybody disagrees with whoever. And this is why no issue, no one point, no one goal. And this is why we're still living in the darkness. We don't know what we want. To where is going to lead us? Take us. We don't know. So I'm not optimistic because of all these reasons I said.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: wow okay well um hopefully um you know things will turn out better than you anticipate, and you and your family will be reunited, and ah, no more lives, innocent lives have to be lost um war, war is yeah. pretty terrible, yeah yeah, well, thank you again for joining us um and would love to um have you join us again and and maybe um uh maybe you could uh. Bring with you uh, a woman comrade, and we could uh, you know have someone speaking from from that perspective like what's going on with the women and the children We hear a lot about <laughs> you know um you know children being kidnapped we hear a lot about uh sexual exploitation we hear a lot about enslavement mm-hmm. uh, um Spanish actually
1: people. um I'm living in a village. In the village, small village, I choose it by myself, run away from the cities, actually. But there is a city beside me here, 50 kilometers far away, and there is a Sudanese refugees camp there. There uh-huh. is women, there is children, families, and there is young guys, and and and, and I think, if you want, of if you you find this idea is good, I can go there and I make like um, a meeting with them and ask them about their experience, about the Points about the ideas, about the issues. I can collect some information from them. This is going to be fresh, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. I'm, oh, not I'm not uh, a refugee. <laughs> I'm not a refugee. I've never been in Germany as a, a refugee here. Yeah, I've got the nationality as, uh, yeah, I've been married, naturalized. Yeah, mm-hmm. in German-wise, this is why I wanted But I joined many, many um, Sudanese and other nations, uh, refugees. And i was talking to them actually i was joining here in germany the 14klm organization is uh in in berlin we're working helping the refugees here translating or giving them clothes and whatever yeah also this is special if you need some information from this organization till now they're working so i can see what you what you want and i give it to you okay thank you very, very much and i'm really happy that you're having me and I'm ready in any time that we want to talk. I'm here.
0: Okay, cool. Well, thank you again so much. It's been really, yeah. We're gonna have to sit with this information and listen to it again um, because it was like it, it was a lot of information. Um, but I'm really, really happy, you know, that you, you know that that you know we met um, through our brother um, May um, Maynu Ampin through the Save Nubia Project mm-hmm. where you are the field director. Um yeah, yeah. You just you know, give us give us, you know, your perspective on what's happening and uh it's really, really really a rich, rich conversation and really appreciate it. And yes, please please send me the information about, about the refugee camp there, um um outside Thank of you. Berlin. Is that what you said? That where you where you're doing some work to help um I guess
2: yeah. uh, help with Berlin, the different needs the that are, are Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm not going to drive to Berlin, which is far away from me, like 400 kilometers, actually. Mm-hmm.
2: But here, yeah, okay. the city
1: is 50 kilometers. I can't drive when I go. But mm-hmm. Berlin, I can call. i give a call to somebody, different mm-hmm. cool. guys. There are German. I can call them. And Sudanese guys also. I can mm-hmm. call them and take the information from them. Yeah, But I will mm-hmm. go this... Um, um, refugee camp in Göttingen City. He is not far away. And I will do my best okay. to collect as a kid and I'll and feed you with it.
0: Good. Yeah, that'd be great. So, yeah, and then, you know, if, if there's anything in particular people need, you could let us know and maybe we could, um, you know, direct mm-hmm. listeners and people who are concerned and, ha- and want to share resources, direct them to this particular organization or organizations that are are doing work, you know, um, helping these okay. people who um, have relocated to this other country because things are bad where they're you know, at home.
1: Okay, I'll do my best actually, and I'm really happy about talking to you, and I was such mm-hmm. useful conversation, and uh, I would love for you to give more information, more and more, mm-hmm. to let the people know the reality.
0: Right, yeah, yeah, things are happening as we speak, you know, it's like it's it's an active, um, you know, um, discourse, I mean, things are happening right now, like seven hours ago and (laughs) 60 minutes ago, I mean, things are happening, so it's really, really good to (laughs) have you come on and put things in perspective for us. Hmm?
1: Yeah, thank you very much, and I will send you my bio, bio Mm I will
2: send it to you after
1: (laughs) I write it. Yeah, I didn't forget it. Because <laughs> by in Germany, here means something different. Uh, right, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: So <laughs> no anyway, problem. I it here actually. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah.
0: right, well, you <laughs> take good care. No, no Have problem. a good rest of your evening. <laughs>
1: okay, thank you very much, and you too, and hello to everybody, and welcome in any time. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Peace and blessings. Ah, Wow. Oh that was really rich, so I wanted to play something uh, I wanted to play something from last week's uh interview with Mama C but ah, it is not uh for some reason I'm not able to upload the uh interview. I'm having trouble, so I am going to um what else can I share um uh, well, we talked about Rwanda. And I had a short interview um, with the director of a film, uh, Kenya Wanda. So I'm going to play that. It's been a while since I interviewed um, Alric Brown. Uh, he's probably got a lot more films now. This was at uh, San Francisco International Film Festival 54. This was back in April of that particular year, and it's been many years. But um, you know, let's 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 uh, listen. Take a little listen until my next guest joins us. Oh, that film, oh my God, um, Kenya Wanda is just so beautiful. I mean, even the opening of it, you know, where you you define, you know, you talk about the language. I mean, it's just it's just a really really lovely piece, and I kept on having to think: is this like is this narrative or is this a doc? I'm like, I couldn't. And then I think somewhere in there, um, we're told that the stories are based on um, true stories, but this is a, a feature, right? Right. Okay. Right. Feature yeah. narrative. Yeah. Feature narrative, right, exactly. So so tell me, you're really like a man of, dio- of the diaspora. I mean, you were born in Jamaica and raised in, what, New Jersey? And, raised then, in New Jersey. and then you spent two years in Cote d'Ivoire, and then you go to Rwanda, and you make the film in 16 days, right? Some kind of Immaculate Conception comic thing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right, right. And you're fluent in French, which means, you know, you have linguistic access to our... African people you know that were colonized by the French um you know not to mention you know the you know being a part of the western uh diaspora and you know sort of being a part of that uh,
2: uh,
0: relocation you know through enslavement of African peoples and all that that entails you know so we've got you know the Maafa on our side, and we've got colonialism kind of maafa on the other side talk about talk about this wonderful work and and I know this is not your first film, um, but it's like your first feature film, I the believe. First film, yeah, yeah. yeah. So talk. To this. Exactly. Talk about you know how your person, you know how who you are, was just perfect for this project. Yeah,
3: I mean you know starting with I've actually been asked this question a few times, but. You know, li- living in black skin, you kind of have a different perspective on the world as, you know, sometimes you might not know how to express it, but like you mentioned, um, being a child of the diaspora, growing up in Jamaica, um, being raised in New Jersey in a predominantly black town, with black high school, um, then going to a, a college where I was one of the only black people in a large lecture hall, But also having the experience of going and living and working in Africa for two and a half years as a Peace Corps volunteer, doing um, uh, I did our first my first feature documentary in Guinea, West Africa, um, and studying French um, with the intent of studying further in 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 Francophone Africa, and um, I, I worked on a documentary in Cambodia. About the genocide that it happened there, hmm. so like there was a my life and my experiences were kind of the perfect storm of what brought me um, to Kenya Wanda and brought me to it in such a way that I was able to put the film together in such a short period of time where I think very few filmmakers would have been emotionally, physically, and mentally prepared for that overall journey. Mhm.
0: Right. Yeah. So so tell us about you know this collaboration. Um. The um. You know, the producer who is uh, a native Rwandan, and, uh, and, you know, I mean, when, when the credits roll, there's just so many people. I mean, you have, like, such a huge cast. Um, you know, some, you know, people with, uh, with acting uh, uh, background and others, um, this is their first, um, you know, time, you know, being um, in film.
3: Right. Yeah, I mean, this was a true collaboration in the truest sense of the word, because executive producer Ishmael Tia both say he, without him, this film would not be possible. I mean, he the one who brought me over to Rwanda, and it was um, hearing his stories and the stories of the other members of our crew from Rwanda that inspired the structure and the storytelling. And we worked very closely. You know, um, it was a very intimate exchange of knowledge, of cultures. Um, it wasn't us imposing American values on their filmmaking. It was us trying to use whatever technical abilities that I had to tell their stories in a better way and um and that continues even in the process of getting the film out to the world
0: mm-hmm. yeah are, are you going to have a, um, a theatrical debut
3: well we are a part of the process of this film right now is to build up audience um and play our film festivals so that we can get support because we don't have a distribution deal oh,
0: okay not just
3: yet um mm-hmm. and it's interesting i mean this is a serious thing you know distributors have to make money and many of them even if they appreciate and they like the film most of them really and really like the film they have to do with it you know we have all African um, faces black faces mm-hmm. subtitles no white protagonist to save the day and no white protagonist <laughs> the Africans how to save the day mm-hmm. what, a, what a blame um, this is stories about Africans their story their lives um, humanizing them, and it's a it's a rare bird. There's no no famous executive producer and no famous actors on our slate, mm-hmm. so it's a hard sell. Um, but we're hoping that we collaborate with someone courageous enough to um, take that chance, knowing that when audiences do sit down and see it, they're they're moved and they 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 really love the film.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. You are. Um you know you, you you're really well grounded in in the academic and the theory um of of making. uh you've got an MFA from New York University's Tisch School of the Arts and I have I've had a couple of other directors on my show uh uh that 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 are uh, you know alumni like you yourself like yourself um to see I had an interview with um uh my uh whose Garbage Dreams um um premiered on POV, and then they rebroadcasted on their website last, what's like two weeks ago now, um, as a part of Earth Day. And then and then uh, I had um, the director of Alvin Ailey, uh, American Dance Theater, Beyond the Steps, um, Phil uh, Bertelsen. Do, do you know either of them?
3: No, I don't know okay. that class of people, no. Okay,
0: yeah, yeah, they're both, they both graduate from Tish like you. And... Um, and then also you um you have a BA in English and a masters in education. It's like, wow, you are like super well educated. That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> well,
3: I wish you would pay the bills more.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so how did you meet, um, you know, the uh the producer. How how did he know about you and, and you know,
3: how did <laughs> Um I uh I served as a Peace Corps volunteer in 2000-2002 mm-hmm. in, in the Ivory Coast, and one of my colleagues, one of who turned out to be one of the co-producers as well, he, um, he went to Rwanda and was spending time there, and he introduced um, Ishmael and I okay. via email.
2: Mm-hmm. And Ishmael
3: and I communicated for many years before we um, collaborated on this project. That's how it came about. It was actually a Peace Corps relationship and not a Hollywood connection that made this film possible.
0: Mhm yeah yeah and the peace corps is is having uh an anniversary this year um because uh in another film festival they talked about which which anniversary um anniversary is the peace corps having uh 50,
3: 50, yeah 50. fifty
0: yeah yeah are you are you a part of that film that was made um actually no no you're you're too young, <laughs> but you know about part of the film that was made about um the 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 early days of the Peace Corps and the training that happened and how people um, and people who you know ended up going uh, to Africa and what their experiences were are you familiar with that film I'm not
3: familiar vague, I'm vaguely familiar with Okay that. Okay
0: Yeah Yeah I'll I'll send you information about it I think you really find it fascinating So what made you want to go into volunteerism and to to travel to Africa and um and want to you know interact with the people and, you and, and know, and, and provide, you know, some kind of service to make life better for the community as well as, you know, growing yourself at, in, in your humanity.
2: Yeah, um, you
3: just, and I mean, to grow, to grow my humanity, to serve, to, to, to meet other people, to expand my horizons, um, Peace Corps is one of the few institutions that allows Americans
2: to travel the world
3: and to, you know, and to meet other people and experience other cultures. Um, where it's not military or financially connected, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I think that, um, you know, for a young person to have that adventure, that life adventure to take them to the next level of their own development, Peace Corps was an amazing option for me. And I wanted to go someplace where I could take my minor in French to another level. I wanted to be fluent in French. And going to Francophone, West Africa, was um, a part of my grand design in, in
0: doing so. hmm yeah, yeah. So when you went to Rwanda, um, you know, you knew you knew the story from you know academically, perhaps maybe even closer than that. Um, and and there've been there've been other I mean massacres, not any as recent and so horrific uh, as Rwanda. But I was wondering, you know, the way that you tell the story, um, were uh, were these stories already? Um, Composed, so to, so to speak, uh, did Ishmael already have the stories in mind? Um, how how did you decide to you know to tell those particular stories and and tell us about those stories? Because are stories, particularly the story about the the Muslim community and and what the mufti, who was the leader in the Muslim community at that time, told um, both Hutu and and Tutsi and um, what's the other name? Um, is it Kwa? Uh, the other or, yeah, Etwa. Etwa ethnic group that um, that they were not to participate in the uh, the massacre, and if they did, they would be punished. Um, I just wonder if you could talk about those stories, the stories that um, you tell in the piece, and and where where they came from. Like, were they composites, or were they you know stories that uh, Ishmael could actually point to, like? These pers- this person over here, or how how do you come to, to uh um, mm-hmm.
3: The stories, that, at the heart of Ishmael's story was the story of the mufti um, and the priest and the imam. It was the mm-hmm. story of how um, the Muslim community made, um, during the genocide, stood up and Hamas became the safest place, keeping in mind this is not a romanticized version. Um, there were Muslims who participated in the genocide nonetheless. And, and they were Christians who were saving lives. It wasn't to put one people against the other. But the but mosque did become safe, and the Mufti did put out this edict against the genocide, forbidding people to participate. With that said, when I arrived, um, I started meeting people, and members of our crew especially, who told me their personal stories. I went to the Genocide Museum, and I read other stories of survivors. And it was in these real stories that I went to Ishmael and said, Listen to this story. This is amazing. And I started collecting, like, real stories, Hmm. and and I decided that because of time and, you know, the structural restraints that I was going to pick a few of these stories that stood out and were the strongest and make our film based on that and somehow have them interconnect so that um, they all ended up seeking shelter um, in this place that the Mufti made safe by passing his edict. So it was a a thought before the the script actually started being written. Mm -hmm. Ishmael told me the story of a little boy um, uh, who went out to get a pack of cigarettes during the genocide and brought the militia back home, and that ended up in the film. It turned out that was Ishmael's little brother that that happened to. And I just thought it was fascinating. Um, So every story in the film is actually based in something extremely, extremely um, real, and close to home, I dramatized it in my writing and dramatized it in in connecting the stories a lot closer than they were in real life um but yeah, that's where the stories came from
0: mhm yeah, yeah it's you know in and within the within the the story because when when you watch a film that's about the 100 days um and the massacre you know you're sort of like sitting you know you're kind of like holding your breath and trying to keep yourself together because it's a sad story and in the midst of of telling this though i mean there's young people they're like dancing and listening to the, they're not listening to the radio and these you know these reports about you know killing the toothies and you know and all this really horrible, horrible um, rhetoric. Uh, they they're acting like you know young people. Any young people would you know getting together and, and having a good time in the midst of knowing that they're not really safe. And then you know then there, there are there people getting married, people fall in love. Um, there there's the innocence of, of of the child, which is you know the story that you said it was Ishmael's, um, that was his, his nephew, you said? His
2: little brother. His little
0: brother, right, right. I mean, that is just like an amazing story because I'm thinking, I, I mean, it's it's like a complete surprise. And then, and then when, um, the, you know, Cassandra Freeman as Lieutenant Rose, oh my God. And who is the, um, the, the man who's like, you know, her sidearm, like her comrade?
2: His name is
3: Tena, and Anayinjikwe. He, uh. Me and Cassandra were the two actors that I brought from the US to oh. um,
0: the film. They were people who I <laughs> Well, I'm sure you are so interested in hearing the rest of that interview with uh, director Alric Brown. Um, whose Kenya Wanda I was telling you that I didn't remember when, uh, uh it um had a screening at the San Francisco International Film Festival fifty four in April of that year. Um, but yeah, it was two thousand and eleven. Ah, two thousand that's ten years ago. So, um uh you can go to the archives and you can listen to this particular finish listening to this interview because our next guests are in the studio and um which is kinda cool that I, I chose to share something about a film because uh uh Soulskin Dance um company is actually um going to be having a really wonderful film premiere this weekend so let me get the two um get adrian and aj into the studio so they can tell us about what's coming up this weekend good morning how are you both of you
4: good how are you Good good morning
0: good morning good morning so um wow um adrian you have you're having a lot going on um this weekend. It looks simply phenomenal at dance mission soul skin soul skin dance is gonna be premiering the film closer and the awakening with a, a live performance and it's on it's in person Friday november yes 5th it
2: is
0: yeah, it's like whoa, yes. my goodness, really in person wow, <laughs> yeah, I think a lot yes. of
2: people are
5: Uh, especially that weekend and this week, are all performing. I mean, people are, you know, have emerged, you know, out of their homes. And everyone is is coming out to, you know, speak their truth through art. And um, that's what makes art special on so many levels. And we all have a lot to say after these past two years.
2: (laughs) So... (laughs)
0: Yeah. 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 Um so before I read your bio I read your bio. Boo, we have a really strong that, echo. There's a little echo. Yes, I heard that. Yeah. So maybe when we're each talking we'll just mute. <laughs> so, so Adrian, Okay. Talk to you first. Yeah. So, uh why don't you just um give us uh, an overview of what's going to be happening this weekend so people can and also your website. Uh, so people can make sure they're in the house because Dance Mission is not a huge space, and I'm sure because of the pandemic, uh, we're not going to be packed packed in like you know past where you you're touching the person next to you necessarily. So um, yeah, so tell us tell us about what's coming up this weekend. Yeah.
5: So so closer um, closer was a film that all of, oh, all of us developed together as a company uh eight months ago and we created it during the pandemic and it's it's you know i don't want to say it's a pandemic film but it is in the sense that it's about what all my my artists the dance artists i've been working with for for many years um what we all went through and the need to come out and start making art again and dancing together and it, it, it started where you know we would only be able to be in certain studios at certain times. Sometimes we'd have to be. We were asked to leave because someone was complaining, or someone you know, or it was the county shut everything down all of a sudden. And and all of us all had to be six to what, what was it, AJ? Six to ten feet apart. I mean, we were we followed all the rules. We wore the masks. We opened the windows and the doors. I mean, it was. It was uh, surreal and also very emotional. Um, everyone had a different experience. I think the process was beautiful in the sense that we all recognized the importance of just moving forward and doing what we love to do um, and what's important to us. You know, it's our path, our chosen path, doing art. Um, and as as the process continued and the vaccinations and all of that the piece became closer, meaning we all got a bit closer, right? Um, So it's about about the experience of what everyone experienced during that given time. You know, everyone's using the word isolation or resurgence or emerging or, you know, there's so many different ways of looking at the experience. But the, the film is basically three acts. And it takes place side of nature out here in Marin County where we're in a playground. Um, we're in the, in the, in the woods. <laughs> and then we come back to the theater and it's, it's really the question for me and this, the, the whole idea of closers, many, I mean, when you see the film, you really feel it, the experience, but that Yako Strudem, our, our cinematographer photographer and film designer, um, He's been working with with us for a very long time, but um, creating the film. But the question is, are we closer? Are we going back to live performances again, right? Where are we? How has this past changed our lives? Is there a new beginning? What kind of beginning, right? So what kind of closer in relationship to the time and where we are now? how far have we become or where are we, you know, in relationship to time. So yes, mission's been around a long time and AJ, has it been our sixth season or se how long have we been performing there? I can't remember.
4: This is about our sixth this is our seventh season, I think, there.
2: Oh our seventh yeah, season. I think we've okay.
5: Ooh, it's been long. So but I mean to me, that's been my home theater, and I, I I grew up in San Francisco. I'm a native San Franciscan. Um, I went to you know elementary school, kindergarten, and high school, right? And so, the mission. I spent a lot of time there growing up, and so it it resonated at the time for me um, making art, and I'm a collaborator. So my myself, Adriana is an artist and a dancer, but I'm very interested in sharing an experience with so many other artists. I think that's my skill set. I really embrace the talent of so many um, people. So I'm not just a dance company. I'd say it's a theatrical experience, right? So Closer is a theatrical experience. You feel drawn. It's 34 minutes. Wanda, three, four minutes. <laughs> and you think, oh my God, you know, whew, that's really long. But it just, it holds you in. And you, at the end, you're like, wow, right? So um, I don't know, AJ, maybe you can interject since you, you were a part of the process.
4: <laughs> I think um, the pandemic halted a lot like me, who do art, not only to find themselves financially, but to find themselves seriously excuse, and emotionally. Excuse me, AJ,
0: um, you're kind of yes? breaking up a little bit. Are you Are you on a, um, a Bluetooth or something?
4: I'm not on Bluetooth. Okay. Um, I'm on Wi-Fi. Maybe I'll get off the Wi-Fi. Can you hear oh. me better now?
0: Yes, yeah, a little clearer. Yeah, because you were like kind of stuttering. Uh, okay. Go
2: ahead.
4: Uh, thanks for artists like me, who sustain themselves financially through dance and art, and as well as I sustain myself and other artists like me, sustain ourselves emotionally um, through, through art, this experience closer was a, a beacon, like a guiding light, um, because we, I don't know, in my mind, I didn't know if I was ever going to really dance again after this. The way things that, the way they were talking and the way that the world was going and you know, the fluctuations and cases and the opportunity to dance was something that was fleeting. Um, and this experience really did bring me myself closer into who I am and what I value. And honestly, I'm, I'm a person outside of dance, but I have other things that I value outside of dance. Um, but in this experience, it even though I was dancing through it, it helped me realize my more of my humanity outside of my Um, which I needed. I think I, I grew I grew a lot during the pandemic, and Closer was the only steady thing. The film was the only steady thing that was um, happening in my life. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then our show at Dance Mission is um, going to premiere the film in San Francisco. It already did premiere at the Aspen Friends Festival um mm-hmm. at Dance mission it will uh we will also be premiering uh, a live work called awakening um and it's going to be a, a homage to uh uh studio 54 joy of the 70s i think there's nothing more joyful than sequins and disco um so, like, <laughs> adriana did a great job of um i think this trend she's she she's she developed a transition Um, As we leave the pandemic into one that is centered around joy of dance, because I think it was a little bit of fear um, centered in dance during the pandemic or during the the more heightened moments of the pandemic. Um, As far as Dance Mission um, is concerned, it is a small space, but we have opportunities for folks to live stream um, on DanceMission.org. If you look up Soul Skin Dance on there, I don't have the full like backslash. Oh, But um, on there, folks are able to uh, watch the show, watch the show via live stream. Um, and I think we're—I've been with the company, I, I, I think, the longest. And I'm really excited to dance with these this of artists. They're really exciting to dance with and very intelligent. And we get to dance mm. to disco, and that's a part of my heritage. So <laughs> I love <laughs> it. <disco.
2: laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, that's really cool. It's, it's so interesting how um, people don't know the disco ball. Like they're like people don't know what that is, um, and I'm like, really? Like oh, we have a disco know? ball. We have yeah, yeah, ball. I know. But, but I'm just saying, you know, when AJ said that was, you know, the discotheque, like, you know, like he knows that, and I just, I'm just saying that everybody doesn't know that it's like living history. <laughs> <It> <laughs> is there, living
4: I don't want to give, I don't want to give the show away, but we do have like like a soul train like homage moment that that pops up with a pop-up moment and Mm -hmm. um i was thinking about john cornelius
6: uh, (laughs) really
3: exactly
4: exactly (laughs) i was thinking about um i was thinking about this because i also i teach and i was like i wonder if my kids know anything about the soul train line i was like i need to do that but i'm like the new soul train line is TikTok and instagram (laughs) because you literally just wait for somebody to go down the line and then you you click Mm -hmm. a like and then the next person goes i think I think we we try in technology we're trying to capture that spirit, but I think before all this big technology, the the, the live performance, the physical body moving through space was the Instagram, was the like the, the, your applause and your ooh babies and yes and you know affirmations were your your followers and your likes. Um, so I was I was I was thinking about the old train line and disco because I'm I'm you know, in my 30s but my kids are much younger than me and. I don't know if they know anything about poultry or, or disco. Uh, so, yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. yeah. But I think, yeah. I think the, the important thing for me as a, as a producer and a director is that in my work, um, I never do the same thing, right? And I really, um, my skill set is I, I look at the artists that I'm working with, um, that I have the pleasure to work with, and we develop, I have a concept, and then we develop through that concept, and one of the things that was important to me after doing closer the film, which is just a really, I mean, it really is beautiful, (laughs) Um, is that I wanted awakening to be completely the spirit, the spirit of, Mm -hmm. of starting new, even though we know that history always replays itself. It's like a it's like a record that goes back in time all the time you know and i'm not going to talk about politics but you know there was a lot going on during the 70s as we all know um but i the 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 music in the time also had a sense of joy and um and 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 evoking an experience of awakening the spirit right And um, Mm -hmm. when when A.J. was saying, you know, an emotional resonance of being an artist and a dancer and humanity and also knowing through this period of finding out who you really are, whether it's like being closer to your – I'm always touring. I was always on the road all over the world and then coming back here and doing art. And and I realized my family was missing out on me because they never saw me, you know, because I was always working. So – realizing that relationships and other th- other things of interest really helped p- inspire people to find themselves through this pandemic but the one thing that i also realized that, that I, i'm not going to quit art you know some people decided to go into different professions you know a lot of things um and awakening to me is awakening the spirit and i yesterday when i saw everyone with Camille Conrado, our DJ artist, and everyone dancing. I told AJ this. I told everybody this last night. I was like, I just said I couldn't stop smiling. Hmm. I mean, and I and I'm screaming in the background, going, yes, yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, much better than social media. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing live performance, being back in the theater is. Um, I saw I, sh- I saw a show called Passover in New York in September, and um, it's Stephen Wolf, and it's based on Waiting for Godot, and it was kind of brilliant. And uh, I mean, it, people, when the when the actors stepped on stage, the audience had a standing ovation and they were clapping. Okay, so that was brilliant to me. That that the importance of of an emotional experience is so important in our field. So the show is the fifth and this at 8 o'clock at Dance Mission. You can get your tickets either at soulskindance.org or um, dancemission.org. And um, it's, it's something magical, you know. Um, if you can't be there in person, do the live stream because you're, you're going you're gonna to see something magical. Yeah, you know? um, and it's going to give you the spirit of of the importance of what live art brings us. It gets us closer to humanity, really. It's mm. our storytelling. Yeah. Am I missing
0: yeah. anything, AJ? <laughs> I'm so glad missing. No, definitely. you hit
2: all hit all the points.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I I wanted to um ask uh, each of you um kind of what brings you to dance, but before that, um uh Adriana, I um I grew up in San Francisco. Um we we migrated here from New Orleans in the um 60s. And uh, so um yeah, where where did you go to school? You didn't you didn't mention my location.
5: I went to I went to um Parkside, I went to Jefferson Elementary School, I went to Hubert Hoover Middle School and I went to soda. It was the first class of oh. um soda. The mm-hmm.
0: school of the arts. Okay.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, so did you I'm grow a, up in a, yeah. Side? I'm or in Sunset. Where? Sunset. Oh, sunset. The okay. Sunset. Mm-hmm. The Avenues. Yeah. I was yeah. an Avenue kid until mm-hmm. my mom sold the house ten years ago. So oh, uh-huh. um I I've seen I've seen San Francisco change. I mean my 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 family's from San Francisco. Um actually from Humboldt and then moved to San Francisco when I was um, when my mother was sixteen actually. So my mom went to San Francisco State. My mom was mm-hmm. an acting major and then she mm-hmm. went to school in Los Angeles. Um, So my parents, they're all actors and dancers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I grew up in the arts and Mm -hmm. I grew up in the 70s in San Francisco and the 80s. Well, I was a child in the 70s, -hmm. (laughs) but in the 80s. um, And I went to salon parties every weekend, you know, um, with poets and musicians and singers and songwriters and dancers. I learned my first form of dance was learning belly dancing. I actually performed at the salon parties when I was five and my my mom's best friend made me costumes. <laughs> you know? I didn't do ballet, I did belly dancing in the beginning. <laughs> you know. Um mm-hmm. so yes. So it's, uh, you know, the scarves and the improvisation happened very early in my life. And, of course, later on, I I was in, in music and dance. Um, but, yeah, I'm a San Franciscan. I, I, I left when I was young, uh, 17 and went to school back east and then went to L.A. for school and then moved to New York and danced professionally there for 15 years and also mm-hmm. had a company in New York. But I was an up-and-coming emerging the word emerging choreographer in my 20s, and I was produced in New York, and, you know, life happens. You have a family, and worked with Aspen Santa Fe Ballet for 10 years on faculty, and, and then when my mother and my grandmother passed away, I had to come back home. And when I came back home to San Francisco, I had to make art again, and that was actually my grieving process, was starting full skin dance was, and that's when I met AJ, was literally eight years ago, when I, the only way I could grieve and kind of respond to the experience of losing these amazing Italian women, um, was to do art again, with big kids, (laughs) you know, like, I worked with, you know, high school kids and elementary kids, which is wonderful, you know what I mean, but I was just like, I want to work with professional dancers again. I want to feel that spirit. So, but yeah, long story short, I am from San Francisco. And, uh, you know, it's a special
0: place for sure. It's a beautiful mm. place. Yes, yes, it is. And I've seen it go through
5: a lot of changes, too. A lot of changes.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember um, I grew up in Ingleside, but we lived in Visitation Valley. When we came here, we lived in the Fillmore, and I remember when Bart came in. <laughs> um, um, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, the Geneva station. Um, I used to walk there because I was going to UC Berkeley at that time, and and the bus, Muni, was on strike. So I, I didn't ride Muni anymore. I just walked, you know, from Granada <laughs> over to, uh, to Geneva, station and then it's like oh this is pretty cool and then it took the humphrey gobart go go cart up you know to campus i'm like this is nice <laughs> yeah yes. so anyway yes
5: mm-hmm. yes yeah. i spent a lot of mornings walking to school in the fog and not being able to see half a block because <laughs> the mm-hmm. fog was so thick <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know because i live yeah. in the avenues but i mean it mm-hmm. it the, the thing the thing about the bay area I live now, my mom bought a home in Fairfax, so when she let go of the house, so I, I my, my residence is, is in Fairfax, which, by the way, I didn't know anything about Marin. You know, I've been a city kid my whole life. Um, I also spent a lot of time in Boston, so I was just like, whoa, what do you do in Marin? Well, obviously, you hike and bike and do a lot of other things. But I think that's when A.J. was saying how how, like, how the pandemic and the experience changed his perspective about things. I think that 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 was the same for me as well. And um, coming back to making art in the Bay Area, um, I have to say, isn't completely easy. But the importance of the... The need and also the need for myself who's actually from San Francisco, there's not a lot of people that are actually born and raised in San Francisco. It's like New York, you know everybody kind of like just moves there, moves to the city. Um, they have you know my experiences of spending my childhood in the Castro and you know in the mission. those were two places I spent most of my childhood in, um, going to clubs when you're not supposed to at 15, (laughs) you know, sneaking out of the house and going to clubs and seeing and feeling and experiencing, um, something kind of unique. Um, and parents, you know, in the seventies, I mean, I don't want to go into like what I saw I probably saw too many things at that age, but you know, there was a certain kind of, um, letting go, but freedom and also creativity. I think this is something that's really unique, and I've seen it with, um, I've, and I don't want to speak for you, AJ, but AJ is an extraordinary performer and artist and human being, and actually everybody in the company is. And I think I know that's always been my skill set of um, resonating with some just kind of, very cool, brilliant, intelligent people, um, and there is this this strength that I saw last night and 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 maturity that was just i don't know what to say extraordinary and and that's what feeds me as as a person It's like that's what life is about because you never know when life is over, so every moment. You know, whether you're in San Francisco or New York or Paris or, you know, Hong Kong or wherever you live, you know, or way up in the country, that moment is still so important to cultivate because you don't know when it's going to disappear. We know climate change. We know, you know, what's happening in our country and all many in the world is not our country. I mean, we're completely divided. This. So many problems. I mean I turned on the news the other day and I was like, Oh, I gotta turn it off. <laughs> it's just, you know. It's uh so I think art is a great medium to to express. Wouldn't you agree, AJ?
4: Uh, I I am an artist. Um and um, I, I don't know if we're at this part of the conversation, but I'm not from San Francisco. Um, <laughs> I am from L.A. originally, um, but I came up here in 20, 2007 um, to go to SF State, um, and i just been hanging around and performing with, with companies, and I met Adriana in 2013, I think, um, and it's just kind of been history. I moved away for a couple of years, but then I came back to San Francisco because Uh, the allure of it's just dancing in the city it's a beautiful city um and yes uh the places that I occupy my identity I'm a black queer artist um and I feel that um parts of my identity are welcome in San Francisco um and I don't have to explain certain parts of myself too much um and so that's why I see to be an artist in the city, and I am completely grateful for all the opportunities that I've been afforded. Um, so yeah, I think mm-hmm. I, I I bridge some of those gaps uh, for people like me that don't always get to see the theater, or get to be in the theater. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and and AJ, you um, you know, you've been in other films, and and one of the films is where you were featured is AM FM which is a film that premiered at the San Francisco Dance Film Festival which I think is a wonderful a wonderful festival and uh it was choreographed by Robert Robert Moses but you've also danced with some of my favorite um uh you know companies and choreographers um, Brenda Way um Rice Simpson uh, and some other folks that I don't know their names and I uh, just wanted to ask you you know sort of um why dance
4: Um, (laughs) that's a really hard question Um, I think I think in in its most I hate this word but I'm going to use it it's the the visceral aspect the the athletic aspect of Mm. dance really excites me Um, I came to dance really late I came to dance at 19 at Essay State (laughs) I was a business and Japanese major um, and then my the, I would sneak and take, uh, ballet and, and Haitian um, like as electives, like I wouldn't sneak, but I would take it as electives. And then my ballet teacher, Wendy diamond, she was like, you should just become a dance major because <laughs> I was trying to register for all these upper division classes. Like, I think I can take ballet too. I think I can do second level of Haitian when they have second level of Haitian. Um, and, uh, she, she was like, you have to be a dance major. I think you should, I think you should be a dance major. And so, um, in my youth, I was an athlete. I played football and I ran track and I played basketball. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a stockier, bulkier guy. I don't look like an average dancer. Um, but what really excited me, especially about uh, contemporary dance and African ballet, is like the the athletic moments of like jumping. I'm, I love jumping. Um, not uh, turning. I, I I do like the turn, but jumping and partnering are really my favorite things. I um, mean, and acting, um, and I just love music. Um, I could not imagine doing the job where I couldn't listen to music the way I, I do because I really love jazz music um, and I really love like disco and funk and you know I love contemporary I love hearing strings and piano I think it was just a melding of all of my life experiences that led to this profession and I was like I like music I like I like to be athletic um, how do I make money how do I do this <laughs> dance just presented itself um, so yeah that's it's also, I I struggle with my words. Sometimes Um, I I have a twin brother who's way more articulate than I am. He's so clear when he talks, Um, he's also a dancer, but for me, it found, I found that I didn't have to talk so much um, when I was dancing, which made me very happy. Um, as a business major, I was I was like I was explaining my my formulas and the path I took and the reason I took it in, in Japanese. I was constantly talking. And, and dance, I was like I don't have to talk. I can literally just you know kick my leg up and jump across the room and people are like you did a good job, you know. <laughs> um, so that's a lot of it's a lot of things. Um, my I love I just love it and my family is super supportive of, of me doing it. So that's the short answer.
0: <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um I wanna let our audience know that we're speaking to um Adriana Thompson and um AJ uh which is short for um Arvey Young Jones.
4: Yes, Arbeyon yeah, Jones. Yeah,
0: that's that's a pretty name. Yeah, and um and this uh wonderful Soulskin Dance um debut of new work which includes the film Closer and the live premiere of The Awakening is this Friday, November fifth at eight p.m. at Dance Mission Theater in San Francisco. And there will be another um, performance on November sixth, is also at eight o'clock. Yes. Eight
2: yes, o'clock. Both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And um, and we didn't get a chance to. I didn't get a chance to ask you this question about soul skin. I just love the name. (laughs) So if you could do it real fast, because my other guests are in the studio, but I just like. Sure. I mean, that's what really Uh, drew me to like soul skin. How cool! And we didn't get a chance to talk about your um your gyrokinetic uh, kinesis. Gyrotonic, gyrotonic,
5: gyrotonic, gyrotonic, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So people have to
5: visit your website. <laughs> yes that's a visit my website uh Soulskin is based on a folklore tale of um sort of like the mermaids so my name oh. adriana is italian means maidens emerging from the Adriatic sea and so is mm. an old folk tale where you know the 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 mer- the mermaid she comes up to the to the upper level, falls in love with a fisherman you know that story mm. about yeah. the skin so It's about shedding and soul skin is about shedding the layers of skin. It's sort of like you're a chameleon. You're always changing, changing, changing. And so to me, that, that name soul skin, and also my name, Adriana um, resonated um, because I think that art is always about change and recreating, Mm -hmm. not reinventing the wheel, but reinventing it with a different skin, different tonality. And, Tonality and diversity and um, the sense of, of exploring what it means to be human is what, what soul skin is about for me. And that, that's when I'm working with artists, it's all about creating this, this balance. So soul skin's about shedding the layers. It's about recreating the layers um the different the different layers of being human. And that's interesting mm. to me as an as a as a director and a producer.
0: Right. Does that does yeah. answer your
5: question?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I, I love I love mommy wata, Poppy wata. <laughs> you know, from yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's the yes. uh, yeah. uh from the uh the West African um I think it's yeah. Ghana. Um, mm-hmm. You know um, traditions, um, and uh, yeah, actually, I I collect uh, mermaids. <laughs> yeah, I get them from yes, kind of the dollar yes. store wherever I see them. I'm like, ooh. I mean, I get I'm the ones that, that it, are not yeah. white, but I I, I like that the brown ones. Happy that you
6: know ones. those folklore. <laughs>
0: hmm, yes, again. those folklores,
5: those folklore. AJ said he was oh. happy you 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 know those folklores. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, big.
2: <laughs>
5: yeah, yeah. folklores yeah, are yeah. interesting because, you know, and I'm Sicilian-Italian, so that's my mm-hmm. heritage. I'm yeah. third generation, so there's lots of those beautiful mermaids. They're powerful. <laughs> yes, they
0: are. They are. They really yeah. are. Yes, 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 yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Cool, wow. Well, thank you both so much. It's been a really wonderful conversation, and hopefully, we'll have another one. You know, when you have something else you'd like to share, just you know, keep me in your your uh, Rolodex. It's like, hey, want <laughs> well, <well>, Thank you, <laughs> thank, I love it thank you. Right. you Wanda. <laughs> yeah, together and separate, it doesn't matter. <laughs>
2: yeah. All right. All yeah. right. All right. Looking All right. forward to
0: Saturday, yeah. and you take good care. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. You
0: too. Right. Bye bye. 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 Good morning. Thanks for hanging in there. I I didn't hear you. You were it was, you were coming into the studio. So who am I speaking to? I don't. I didn't know who was going to be joining me. Hi. Wanda. Hi. Oh, yeah. Tanika. Baptiste. Hi. Director? Good morning. Yes. Good morning. Glad you could make it on such short notice. And is Terry with problem. us? Terry guest.
6: I don't know if Terry was joining us, but I believe
0: Devin is. Oh, the star. Okay. Cool. Hi, Devin. How are you?
7: Hi. I don't know if you can hear me
0: yeah I can hear you now
7: oh, thank you mhm oh yeah, hey, Devin Cunningham okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> good morning. How are you
0: <laughs> oh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good <laughs> so um, we are speaking to um as I mentioned the director and um one of the principal actors in At the Wake of a Dead Drag Queen by Terry Guest. which is currently up, hey. yes, at Theater Rhinoceros in San Francisco. And they have a new location where they're – this is live theater, folks. Uh, it's the Spark Arts, um, and it's located at uh, 4229 18th Street. Um, if you know the old intersection for the art space, that's going way, way back, I think. But I think that's where it is. Is that that location or no? Am I Mike? My... Yes,
6: eighteenth Street in the heart oh. of the Castro District.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you can get tickets at uh W dot O R G. And um and the uh, the play is running was it Thursday through Sundays, uh through the fourteenth of this month? Yes. Okay. Awesome, Thursday awesome.
6: through th- Thursday through Saturday starts at it's at eight o'clock, Sundays at
0: three PM. Mm hmm yeah, yeah. So Tanika, you just like you just be picking up these, these really cool plays to direct. I'm like, What?
6: You I know super
0: <laughs> super humbled
6: and blessed. So right now we got a good we got a good relationship, thank goodness. Um mm-hmm. and also the playwrights that they select for their seasons are just I love I mean, Kevin LeGrone, Terry Guest. Uh they just know how to pick these wonderful plays that talk about our communities which I'm super grateful mm-hmm. for.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And you know, the drag queen, you know, and Awake, oh my goodness, the combination of the two, like she's dead.
2: And <laughs> she's telling the story
0: like, "What? This is so cool." Oh my goodness. So, how would you uh how would you describe this play? Like, so Devin, okay, what's this play about? You know, who is the narrator? Who is who is Courtney uh uh Beringer? Um, And she's in my sister's wake. Like, who? What? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, The way I would
7: describe it is Courtney gets to eulogize herself um, Mm -hmm. and tell her story. Um, And is this cutthroat, bred in the South, um, Southern-made drag queen who (laughs) – took no uh took no mess from nobody um just like uh his mother took no mess from nobody and the women who came before him um hmm. so yeah that's in essence uh courtney <laughs> in short mhm
0: right yeah 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 I, I i Is is it Albany, georgia is that is that the location i didn't
7: yeah, I yes, think we're Albany, Albany. California, Albany. right? Yeah. <laughs> we're
0: Albany, Georgia. I was going to say, you
7: know, <laughs> right right outside of Berkeley, but no, we're in Albany, Georgia. Right, exactly. and, um And not too far from a Florida's panhandle, not too far from Alabama. Oh, we're right there. Okay.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And and you're right, um, you know, it's, it's a period, um, and I don't know, like, how much of it you want to tell, you know, I'm, I'm going to let you all, because Kevin told me, you know, Kevin LeGrand who was mentioned, uh, you know, and he did a Legend of Pink. And then he had a more recent play um, that you directed, uh, uh, Tanika. Um, yeah, so I, I need you to, like, fill in the details that you want to share and then I could, like, talk because um, I don't sure. know what I can say, um, no, you know, with regards no to this period. Okay. Cool. So, well, so why don't want you to... tell us uh, a little bit more about this particular uh, week <laughs> and this particular character? Yes. What's going on? Okay, um, but quickly, I want to just say that we are off uh,
6: today. We're offering four comps to the show for this Thursday or Friday to the first callers who call in. So, two people can win a pair of tickets, or four people can win a ticket. But you got to call in so I can get your name and I can tell the box office. Okay. So quickly. <laughs> Uh, Devin definitely summarized um, perfectly. The play talks about this relationship, and it's based on the playwright's actual uncle, who did go by the name Courtney Barringers, who who actually did, unfortunately, um, die of AIDS. But uh, Mm -hmm. Courtney, or Anthony, wasn't really able to uh, afford the medical care to treat his you know, to treat his HIV and Vicky, the white character in the play, she is kind of like new to drag, and she's like super happy and cheerful, and she's totally enamored by Courtney, and they have this uh, romantic relationship. I dare say that, you know, Courtney, yes, he is a little, you know, he's kind of icy. You know, he doesn't wear his emotions on his sleeves like Vicky does, <laughs> but he he definitely loved her, and she's that's why yeah. she's part of this story. And so mm-hmm. you just watch them, you know, they go on, they perform, they're in the dressing room, they're, they're, you know, they're doing playful teasing, loving gestures, and then the next minute they're, like, cutting each other through their words. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, Anthony Courtney is dealing with this disease and dealing with his uh, decline of health, and he's trying to understand, like, okay, I have this new person in my life, but I'm also, I have this real problem that I'm going through. And this person exactly. can't understand because they're up here taking pills that I can't afford. So, you know, it's I, we, we call it a dramedy because, you know, it's definitely funny, you're going to laugh, but it's dealing with these real issues that people in this community go through that we don't really talk about because we love watching RuPaul's Drag Race and watching for the wigs and the makeup and the fashion, but what are they actually going through? Why is this mm-hmm. their one of their main sources of income? You know, is it because mm-hmm. – where they live, people are discriminatory, you know? So do they, are there, are there, does their family support them? Do they not? So it's just, it's just things yeah. that we, we kind of casually talk, talk, talk about.
2: Mm-hmm. But
6: it's, I love this play because it is definitely a breath of fresh air to, like, laugh, especially in the wake of everything that's been going on, but still be real and be grounded in, like, people's real lives especially because this was based on somebody's actual life. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, liberty taken with the story. Like, it's not, you know, fact, fact, factual based, but, you know, this was somebody who actually lived. And so I took – it was a lot of responsibility, I think, for us all to just really be, be um, choose authenticity, even in moments where it's uncomfortable or, like, we're just laughing our faces off, like, but why is it funny and why is it sad? Because it's coming from this truthful
2: – this truth. So, um
6: mm-hmm. I would say the fashion, I mean the way Devin just manages these these uh costume changes and the way he just looks at the top of the show is just amazing. Like I was getting mm-hmm. mad, Wanda. I I was getting mad. I was like, Y'all looking better than me. What the heck is going on? But Well I mean, <laughs>
7: you you the director in the costume. So I mean that's you. Don't don't play know, don't play yourself. Really? Don't, don't do oh, that. okay. <laughs>
6: nice no they just both are so beautiful inside and out but they really are working these working these wigs and these dresses i can't even tell you Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i really um i really um you know your um your character is is so erudite um i mean very very smart and and the way that um you know um she uh i mean it's a, it's tragic um you know when you know she shares about the relation between her and her mother and and, mm-hmm. and the you know the, and what's quote child right. abuse and um and then and then you think okay how did how did she get hiv disease or or aids and then and then you know you you see how <laughs> um yeah. and, and 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 yeah, and the poverty, and then this this you know this other character is just so clueless, oh, we're just the same, it's like not really,
2: <laughs> you know, okay. like
0: I'm just as oppressed as you, like no, and then, and then, yeah, I had to look up the name of the of the pills that uh <laughs> um the other mm. character um
2: uh, was, was, was was
0: Because yeah. I thought it's like I think this is. This is medicine and 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 then, and then I would hear the look, you know, like I read the look that your character would, would turn to this other person who didn't even realize no i'm not I'm not not taking care of myself because I don't care about myself It's economic,
2: yeah, and then you
0: think about right. economics now of of healthcare care, you know with a pandemic, who's dying? Still, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Who's getting infected? Still, who's at risk? Still, (laughs) you know,
2: you know, giving
0: somebody a glorified title, essential worker, doesn't 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 hide that. A lot of times, the reason why these people are working is because they poor.
1: Exactly. They
0: can't stay home. They have no medical coverage. (laughs) If they don't go to work, they have no job, and then they got children that are gonna be they're gonna be homeless.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Really? So it's just yeah, it's like yeah. It's I don't know, so how do how do you how do you manage these different navigate these different moods? Because it's like um your character's really honest. You know, Antony?
2: Um
0: yeah. yeah, Ant. Antony. <laughs> how do you pronounce it? Antony. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
7: Anthony. That's how we'll probably Aunt. say it. That's how uh, the script actually says, and
2: uh, the script says,
7: you know, uh, my he says my name is Anthony, but in Albany, we say Anthony, um, okay. which okay. I'm like, okay. that's not like how my grandma would call it across, you know, across the yard or something. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, navigating, honestly, it's uh, staying open to the moment. Is what I do my best to do, um, because uh, because of the mood swings. Like we're we're flirting in one moment, and then it's like, wait, hold on. Are you saying that white people and black people understand the same problems as you taking your HIV medicine? How does that work? And, and uh, you know, dropping, understanding the moments of when it's uh, the being open to the moments of levity and humor and honesty. I mean in depth and just, you know, um honestly, I say all the time, like, you know, as black people, we live in blues and jazz. And so I, I have to be okay with being, you know, flexible to move wherever the story mm-hmm. goes Um yes, because yeah. that's what's happening in a drag club where, you know, somebody may be snickering at you or someone may be saying something to you, but at the same time I need to hit my bottom dollar. So we going to go out here and still put on the best show possible. Um, So, yeah. So mm-hmm. I hope that answers the question.
0: Um, oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I, I just love the history, you know, the film history, you know, the the diva singers and 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 then, you know, like just learning just sort of the different parts oh, of yeah. the performance. You're like, oh I didn't know oh, yeah. there yeah, it's like, you know, there there's there is a methodology to the performance. How, how did you oh, do yeah. that? Like, had you ever had an experience, you know, in drag, you know, that you can pull from? Or did you, what did you do, watch movies? Like, what did you do?
2: Did you, so, you, you <laughs> understudy?
0: Did you have somebody like was a consultant? Like, how did you do this?
7: No, sir. So what I did is, so I um, I previously worked with African American Shakespeare Company on Cinderella. And one oh, year, the really? sisters were. That's
0: why yes, I know your name. Uh, Okay. Yeah. That too. Oh, okay. (laughs) We have
7: to, you know, we were really beautiful, and I was in some heels, so and makeup, and this is different from that in that it's like, no, this is full-on drag in terms of, or more um, in terms of, like, we're going from dress to wig, and it's so much, and I love it. Um, So what I did is I – I wa one. I walked around my house in heels, um, just to get more comfortable with it. Um, and then I drew on my own, uh, my own femininity, and my mother and my grandmothers and the divas that I watch. So, like I love, I love Diana Ross's muscle. So I rewatched uh, her Central Park performance because Courtney mentions Diana Ross and. I had already seen Sunset Boulevard, but I pulled up clips from it just to, you know, see, like, okay, who was who was influencing Courtney to be this grand woman, to be this – to be um, – because this is her club, essentially, or the way she walks around it. Um, and so, you know, there's also a part, like, listening to Janet Jackson, wrote Burn, and Janet – shifted how R&B mm-hmm. moves today. So it's like, okay, and I'm also influenced by Beyonce. So how do you incorporate Ooh. all of that into one one kind of coalesced person who, uh, Courtney, who is coming on stage singing Megan the Stallion and then goes to Diana Ross and goes to Janet. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, so what I would do is literally just watch a, a bunch of different performances. Uh, of these women and how they carried themselves on stage, how they handled interviews and how they spoke. Um, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and try to understand their home life a little bit as well um, mm-hmm. because that informs, because on top of my home life as Courtney, their home life, you know, offered a form of escape um, that I've tried to find. Oh. Um, so yeah. Mm,
2: mhm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Are you yeah. from the south, or are you from here, or where are you from?
7: <laughs> I, I am from Oakland, California, born and raised. Oh. Uh Okay. But <laughs> I did. I actually <laughs> lived in. Uh, I lived in Savannah, Georgia, earlier this year. Um you did? And was. Oh. Yeah, I was in Savannah from about February until the until the start of this show. Rehearsal started. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't even know that this show was really fully taking place in Georgia. <laughs> um, it was mm-hmm. like, whoa! I just came, so it was like, okay, you know, sometimes you know, you're kind of preparing for something um, when yep. you, you know, you you least expect it, um, and uh, mm-hmm. which actually offered a lot of context for and a lot of context for the show, and I found a different appreciation for uh, southern gay, the Southern gay experience. Um, mm. um, having read this book called Sweet Tea, which is a phenomenal book, um, mm. and having gone out with my friends and being discriminated against in, open, in the open, like mm-hmm. you know, walking out. And I, I shared this with Tanika, and one of my friends, because uh, we were called a uh, faggots, and one of my friends, and me, how I am, uh, I'm from Oakland, you know, so I'm like, you know, <laughs> I said something back to him, you know, because I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, you ain't going to disrespect me. Um, and then my friend, he said, at least they didn't call you nigger. And then we just kept walking. So it mm-hmm. was the whole concept of like, okay, that Southern, the gay experience in the South is something different because, yeah, because your family may call you dad, all this other stuff, but they at least ain't going to call you nigger. They're not gonna break you down to that point,
4: so it it it
7: um so yeah, so it's great context for what courtney or A- what Anthony may have gone through in uh, his experiences mhm
0: yeah, yeah, wow. wow, talk about the magic um and and the storytelling um I really, really love the story of um Oba. And uh <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And 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 yeah, and uh Oshun, um, that's not what you call her, but
2: <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah, Oshun, Osha. Um, <laughs> yeah. Osha, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was like I was really kinda like, this you know, the playwright, he is he goes everywhere, like you know, like mm-hmm. Yeah, um and and then even like even your character, um you know, when he's talking about that section where I'm a magician, blah, blah, blah. And he talks about A.S.U., Sylvester, RuPaul, and probably some of you. And I'm like, and and you think about, like, yeah, Sylvester, totally A.S.U., right?
2: Mm. Yeah. The trickster, and I, and I say, you know, at the
0: crossroads, you know, like, who is mm-hmm. he, you know? And and you think about when you dress up, who are you?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and who do people and think they speak?
1: Exactly,
7: and that's that's the for me that's exactly that because I was like okay when I say and me and Tanika we had a whole conversation what am I talking about when I say I'm a magician, um, mm-hmm. and it's, I and I feel it really goes to black um, really speaks to black queers having to find their own identity within their community, mm-hmm. so we have to pull from we have to go deeper and find so much more of ourselves because. Sometimes our community, I mean, yeah. Sometimes our community doesn't fully understand us. So who does understand me? Well, RuPaul may understand me because RuPaul has been on TV since the '90s, and then Shu is going to understand me because Anshu, Shu, I really want to say, did not have a set gender. Um and okay. you have, you know, in talking about Oba and uh Oshun, these women again, here we are with black women. And in in their experience in trying to please, you know, lovers and stuff like that. And so I I feel, yeah, it all goes back to black identity. Um and how as a people we are magical. Uh, we say now all the time, you know, black, you know, we're, we're you know, black boy joy and, uh, you know, black magic and stuff like that in terms of how we are as a culture and as a people. Um, yeah. So I, I'm with you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: So um, closing thoughts about the work, favorite scenes, um, difficult scenes, um, you know words that you will never forget even when you slip on another character like whoa I love this line
2: mm.
0: <laughs> cuz this writing is really good I really right. like it <laughs> um
7: um scene okay very i would say and I'm going to say hard the challenging scene is um it's always the end for me,
2: mm-hmm. um,
7: because it requires you know it's a it's you know it's a lot of weight there, um, and you want to be as I want to be as honest and authentic to the situation and to what is being said. Um, yeah. Line I won't ever forget is you brittle ass cracker. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can't ever forget
7: that. I literally say, oh you brittle-ass cracker. And I said, what? that's that's a line for the ages. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, what about you, Tanika?
6: <laughs> I mean, a line that I love is, you say it actually, Devin, you got to find a way to stand up straight in a crooked room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That line yeah. for me is just like, I don't care who you are, but you got to find a way to love yourself. And represent yourself and and show the most compassion for yourself, no matter where you are, no matter who's around you, or no matter what, nobody's telling you, trying to tell you who you are. You know, you got to know yourself. I just love that line. Um, True. And the hope I mean, it's hard to pick like a favorite scene. I will say uh, they both are just so incredible. Um, oh, my goodness. But I would say though the West African fairy tale play, I'm the most impressed. Devin does the thing with the scarf where he turns into both these people, and he's just so clever with it. And and also uh, Mario, oh,
2: thank
6: you. just Mario, Mario, just in general. Mario be like, hitting you. Uh...
7: <laughs> Mario be hitting you. But in they the they band. both
6: play okay. so well off each other. You know, I just I'm we got really lucky with this with this pairing. You know. But uh, yeah, that yeah. that line though—you got to find a way to stand them straight. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it seems like a real ensemble piece. Um, you know these, you know when you and um, um, and Mario are you know, um, there there together. Um, you know in backstage and just the way you know. Um, you know the character kind of like comes onto you, it's like, whoa. Well, I mean, you know,
2: like yeah.
0: yeah, i mean there's there's like there's no like lead up to it it's just like bam, you know, I want you, <laughs> I want oh yeah, you. Okay.
7: and <laughs> there little it says uh." And I was going back through the script because there was a moment in rehearsal where I started, like, coming in a little slowly. I was like, let me come in a little more romantic. Or what does romantic look like (laughs) in Courtney? And I was like, um, and I read the script, and I want to say in the script, Terry uh, wrote, you know, it's like a scene in a movie that he's always seen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh my god, how did how was she kissed in Casablanca? How was she kissed in um, mm. you know, uh, Carmen Jones? How did how did how were these women swooned? What happened? Well, it was sudden. Right. And it was abrupt. And that and I was like, "Oh, well, there it is. Okay, it has to be abrupt because if it's not abrupt, right. then we're not going to fall in love. <laughs> we're not going right. to fall in love because love is abrupt. So, yeah, it is um, yeah, so
0: um yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then and then um and then I'm going to let you all go cause, um but mm-hmm. I I was just thinking about the ages of of the two characters um uh cuz you know we know, um, mm-hmm. you know we think about HIV and age we think about um, Age, who you know, who was dying, who was being paid attention to. I mean, you know, people were dying that were not on the radar. You know, the only people on the radar, right. you know, were, were white gay men. Um, and the mm-hmm. only you know, people who are dying now are not white gay men. And so HIV and AIDS is not on the radar. People are still get, you know, people are still dying. So right. Like yeah, in America, so I'm not talking about another country. You know, it's still, it's still, people are still at risk. Um, for this particular disease. And um, yeah, um, and then, you know, like you know, the complications. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I am just going to speak real quick
6: on their ages. They're both mm-hmm. very young.
0: Yeah. 22 20,
6: 23 years old. Right. And so, right. you know, Courtney reminds me a lot of Tupac in the sense of Tupac was so young, but he was so old. Mm-hmm. He already yes. lived like so. He was so wise. And Courtney mm-hmm. has just got like this, like doesn't, you know, doesn't take no mess because I've seen it all, kind of vibe because life is about life is hitting him very fast, and so mm-hmm. yes, people are still dying of, of this disease, but it's because mm-hmm. we're the ones that are dying the most that it's not on the radar. So we have right. this, like I, I think the first day of rehearsal I was like we're in this. When I go to the Castro, I feel like I'm in gay Disneyland. I feel like it's very removed. from I like, like the
0: gay Disneyland. Oh, who yeah, That's they're 90, I'm that very they very pretty.
6: <laughs> 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 very like, you know, people got their lattes. There's a gem on every corner. You don't, you don't really see no, you don't see tragedy. You don't see like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, civic c- c- civic center, BART station, type mm-hmm. stuff. And so. Yeah, we're they. They don't really feel the implications of this disease because they don't have to deal with it. But you know what? Like I said, if you're still mm-hmm. sleeping with African American people, this is this affects mm-hmm. you as well. This is your problem mm-hmm. as well. So we can put our head in the sand, like Mickey said, put your head in the sand, and act like it's not mm-hmm. happening, but it is happening. And it's just mm-hmm. like the coronavirus, everybody took that serious because the, there was nothing we could do. You can get it. <laughs> you, you you alive? Mm-hmm. You can get it. You can still get this. This can, this, can, this can still hit you. And, yeah, money can protect you, I guess, through, like, medicine, you know, medicine and all that, but it's still, it's a human, it's a earth problem. It's not a black problem. Yeah.
2: It's a human problem. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Thank and you. Yeah, and the part I really liked in the play was um, when, um, uh, when um, I don't know how to say Anthony the way he says Anthony, so we'll say Courtney. <laughs> when Courtney <laughs> talks about uh her relationship with her grandmother and and, you know, the crystals and the gold and how, you know, she mm-hmm. touched certain things in in the living room because they were off limits. I like that uh that particular scene. And I really like also the scene when um when when Courtney uh is with, with uh with her, her girls and she's dressed up and she sees and somebody says, This is your mama and and, <laughs> and yeah, like uh oh. And 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 how the mother sees herself in her son's face and I'm like, Yeah, this is so sweet Um, I like I like that oh, yeah. part.
7: Oh yeah. No, it mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely being in grandma's house. It was in my grandmother's house that I was sitting up watching Dynasty and watching mm-hmm. uh <laughs> so Diane Carroll and watching uh my grandmother had me watching Carmen Jones and Cinderella with Julie Andrews and, mm-hmm. and so, <laughs> so I'm sitting up I'm like, Oh wow. It's 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 funny the parallels that um that it, it's beautiful parallels that I found, especially, you know, like, you know, growing up young, you at your grandmother's house and all the stuff around. It, it, it's beautiful because um, it all informs uh, who you become ultimately.
2: Right. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
7: Saturday morning okay. cleaning music. That's why I still put on the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a real celebration of, of these um, – these female voices that you know shape this culture in so many important ways, but shape this person, this character, in so many important ways um, mm-hmm. that you know you wouldn't know unless you were able to be if you unless you were able to be in the room you know, with Courtney at the wake and have Courtney tell you about these things. It's not just something you just know. <laughs> but now when you listen mm. to this music, you go like, you're going to have a whole other way of listening. It's going to be a lot deeper, a lot more, you know, intense, because now you're going to see Courtney when you hear the song. Yeah. Right. You know, and yeah, we hope that's yeah. the experience. hmm Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. Well, I really love it that some theaters are still doing, um, you know, the, the taping for those people that can't get to the live theater. Um, so this is like, you know, being able to talk to you all, that's that's a nice consolation. <laughs> but if people can get to the theater, you really should get to the theater. <laughs> yes, cool. <please. laughs> and have that in just... person in the theater experience.
6: Yes. Uh, real quick, the show is about eighty minutes long, if that, maybe uh-huh. like even seventy, seventy five. Um, we mm-hmm. got a we are the San Francisco Chronicles Critics Pick and we just got a wonderful been, yeah. review by Victor Codell. Yeah, for all of it. We got uh, we mm-hmm. also got a standing ovation, our opening night. So it's a hit,
0: it's
2: yeah.
6: hilarious,
0: it's beautiful. I'm so proud. Mhm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's really great that Theatre Rhinoceros you know, um, has, you know, sort of um, committed itself to telling these stories. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really great. And, you know, these some of these stories, they live in the Bay Area, like we, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's right around the corner from where I grew up. <laughs> and some of these stories live, you know, in other places in the country, you know, to get a whole nother experience around it. And, yeah, that is so amazing, uh, yeah. Devin, that you were in Georgia, and, and now you're yeah. in Georgia. That's so cool.
7: <laughs> you know,
6: literally. Awesome. literally. Debbie, you were in Georgia when mind. we were doing Pillow Talk too.
7: Oh yeah, were we we you? Did pillow Talk. I was on, You were yeah. Pillow was, Talk too. Uh, yeah, I was in mm-hmm. Pillow Talk. I played Baby Boy.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, you were good. Yeah, I was. I was. I was. I spoke
2: <laughs>
0: at the. Um, um the opening it was like, Oh, was it a preview what what was it? Tanika? Um, I can't remember, but it was that first night, yes, 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 Wanda was Wanda was there, Devin, and she did okay. yeah, I remember you were there mhm, yeah i I talked a heck a lot, <laughs> oh, well, I really think, liked you, you. I, baby boy loved like I like him, um. Even, even the not- new iteration of him. Yeah, you were great. You were really great. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah. You let the old guy Thank off you. the hook. hmm
2: You know. Wow. You
0: were so nice. <laughs> now, if if um, if um Courtney would have been there, Courtney would have said, like, heck, to no. Oh, no, Courtney no. wouldn't have uh-huh. Not, not at all, not, at
2: Mm-mm. All. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. not one day <laughs> yeah, yeah, mhm,
0: yeah, yeah, and I'm so happy that um you know, um playwright, um, you know, he uh you know keeps it keeps it real, so to speak, in so far as you know um uh, you know, some of the things that people have to do to survive, you know, like like not skirting yeah. that you know.
2: Um, oh, yeah. which, mm-hmm. You know,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, you know, like the juxtaposition of a hunter, you know, who uh, Mario plays and a Courtney
2: mm-hmm.
0: or an Anthony or an Anthony, um, you know, that you play, Devin, are like, like, like you know, sort of like is drag, like the, the meeting place, you know, for these two, two people that mm-hmm. would never know each other otherwise.
7: Yeah, because where never. else would they meet? And, that's that's something I've asked myself, like, okay, why is, uh, I've asked, you know, why is Vicky here? Because I say in the play, you know, I can tell he doesn't need me, but he wants mm-hmm. me. So mm-hmm. it, it made me, I've asked, like, okay, what is it about me that he wants? What is it that, you know, draws me to or draws him to me? And why do I, you know, continue to, you know, be drawn in? Um so yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I've really asked that question because <laughs> I want to know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's part of the process. And you know, you know, as we continue to play and have shows, and hopefully people come on out, uh, we we keep digging and finding new layers and stuff to bring to it. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a yeah. good it's a good time.
0: Right. Well, I'm glad you all are. You know. You know, honing the craft and bringing us these stories and Tanika, wow, wow, you're just like the woman. You know, like
2: okay, you the first call. <laughs> first call. I'm just super humbled. I, I
6: yeah, love, I love yeah. working with. I love collaborating. I really, really love collaborating.
2: So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well you all take good care. Congratulations. We got no calls but this is not a really good medium for calls so um if people want to take advantage, um shoot shoot us an email. Or or you can actually blog at blog talk, you know, Mondas Picks.
2: Mm-hmm. Um and,
0: and you know, and then I could send your information on to uh to Nika for these tickets. Like oh this is
2: cool. I love giving right. tickets.
0: It's so hard to be able to give them away. <laughs> yeah. I get, I get crank callers. So it's like, hmm, who is this person?
2: <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Wanda, righty, for having us. It's
0: oh, no so worries.
6: I love coming on here talking with you.
0: Thank you. Oh, it's great talking to you, too. Yeah. So keep me in mind for the next thing, you know, after the 14th. Okay. We'll <laughs> Both of, of you. you. We'll,
7: yeah, we'll, got you on the roll of that.
2: All right, mm-hmm. excellent. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you take <don't> <laughs> uh, bye. you all Bye.
0: Bye. So don't forget you can get tickets at the Org and um the uh the play uh At the Wake of a Dead Drag Queen by Terry Guest directed by Tanika Baptiste. And uh starring among others, um, you know, the person with at the wake is Devin Cunningham and um and then uh Mario uh Mazzetti portrays Vicky. So, um yeah, thank you so much for joining us for another edition of Wanda Six. We're gonna go out with um McLeod and Quinn. I just love McLeod and Quinn. Um I'm gonna play um Sent to You. Uh, and this is in honor of all those who left here too soon but found love in the middle. And uh, I want to remind folks that Destiny Muhammad Trio is um, starts its uh, three-day digital residency this week today, uh, November 3rd, and it continues through Friday, November 5th, from 12 to 1 p.m. Pacific time. And it's a live stream, live stream, sorry, on Facebook and YouTube. It's going to be really, really, really nice. You don't want to miss it. So um, you can get the link if you go to um, Wanda's Picks. Um, the uh, the radio show is also on wandaspicks.com. Or you can go to Destiny Muhammad, uh, her website. Um, you can also listen to her talk about this um, if you go to our archive. Or, you know, we are also streaming in iTunes. So don't want to miss it. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, this is going to be a really wonderful week of art. Um, And uh, you don't want to miss the uh, Soul Skin this weekend, uh, Friday the 5th, Saturday the 6th uh, at Dance Mission in San Francisco um you definitely want to check out the Save Nubia project and keep going keep abreast of what's happening in uh, Sudan we're really happy that Abbas was able to join us uh, to talk about what's going on there and um yeah we'll have him back on again to update us periodically particularly you know let us know what's happening with the Sudanese refugees in Germany um and then uh you know um our wonderful guests, uh Tanika Baptiste and um and uh Devin uh Cunningham, you know, talking about uh this the wake of a dead drag queen. <laughs> uh a one act play written by one act play written by <laughs> I'm looking for the playwright's name. Oh my goodness. Um Sorry about that. I have too much paper in front of me. Cherry guest. There it is. (laughs) You take good care. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of Wanda's Picks. Peace and blessings, everyone.